<laughs> How is everybody doing today? Thank you for joining us in the room today. Thank you for joining us online. Uh, I was Nicole and I were away last week. We had the opportunity to go. We got invited to um, something from an organization called Canadian Church Leaders, and there was about 80 church leaders, including Nicole and I, and we just gathered in the mountains of British Columbia. So we flew into BC, and then we had to drive to a ferry, and we took a ferry 45 minutes, then we had to drive another hour and a half, and then we took another boat two and a half hours. So we were way up in the mountains in an ocean inlet, and uh, out of Wi-Fi range, no data, no signal on our phones. I just want to tell you it was very strange for about three days to not be able to be connected to our kids mostly. Uh, I didn't really miss social media too much, uh, but it was just to, amazing to be in God's creation. One of the things that we were able to do this, this camp that we were at, this sort of retreat center, um, there was this beautiful dock and at 7.30 every day that we gathered as a group and we were able to just worship and pray on, on this dock. Now that was at 7.30, but I was up you know, 4 a.m., if not earlier, because I was on East Coast time, and to be able to go and sit outside with the mountains and there's no city noises and, and the stars are beautifully bright. It was just a, a great time away for Nicole and I and just a great to hear about all of what God is doing across Canada. You know, it's, it's great to be part of the family of God in our nation and around the world, and so we're excited to be part of that family. All right, we are kicking off our fall today, Labor Day weekend. Um, does everybody have barbecues planned for tomorrow? to not labor on Labor Day. <laughs> and then parents, you're, you're gearing up for lunch season, right? To prepare lunches coming up. You know, if you have like older kids, I remember uh, when my daughter got into like grade 12, it was easy. She just wanted to have salad every day. So we weren't like preparing salads. We would like just go buy like a bag, hand it to her. Here's your lunch tomorrow. I'll figure it out. <laughs> But it, it's, it's, a, it's a challenge, but it's an exciting thing when we think about uh, the fall. It's kind of like a second new year preparing for uh, what's happening in our lives. But as we prepare for our fall, we're going to prepare for the fall as a church family, as followers of Jesus. We're going to be receiving communion together today. We want to set our sails in the, the correct direction. So if you're joining us online and you want to receive communion with us, uh, you can get your elements ready. We'll do that together at the end of service. So we are, uh, as we talk about just communion today and remembering the goodness of God, this is what we do when we receive communion. Um, I, I have a question for you. What is your outlook for the fall? And not just what is your outlook for the fall, what is your outlook in God for this fall, for this autumn season, when we think about what's upcoming? Um, there's kind of obviously some unknowns of what's happening this, this fall and, and different things like that, because we don't, we don't know the future exactly. We know that God knows the future. But when we think about God and we want to remember today God and think about his goodness, it's such a great, simple reminder. And as we go into this fall, I just want to remind you of the goodness of God. And you will find your joy this fall in the goodness of God. You're not going to find your joy in the perfection of people because people are going to disappoint you and frustrate you. And you're not going to find your joy in circumstances because circumstances will be up and down, good or bad. You'll, sometimes you'll be on the mountaintop and sometimes you'll be in the valley. So we're not necessarily going to find joy in those things. But we can find joy 
in the goodness of God because God is always good and we can always depend on him. We were just singing about that a second ago, the attributes of God and who God is and that he's a healer and he's a provider and he's a savior. All of who God is, is good. He is uh, not in these negative circumstances that we face in life, but he can help us through these negative circumstances because he is good. So I'm gonna throw a bunch of verses at you uh, today just to encourage you and to get your excitement for the fall and get your joy up for the fall about who God is. Now, when we think about good, just the definite is a word good, you know, it's not something we think about a lot. Yeah, that's good, and that's good, and that's good. Pizza's good, and God is good. But there's a differentiation between pizza and God um, as it relates to actual goodness that God would have for us in our lives. Now, when we think about God and his ways and his thoughts and his promises, just a simple definition is that it's better, that God's ways for us are better than what we could think and experience and know. So when we are facing something that God has better for us, that God, uh, part of God's goodness is that he's favorable towards us. That something that is good is pleasing. Something that is good is the best. And then something that is good is better by objective comparison. And what is that objective comparison that we would compare our lives or our experience to? This objective good is the goodness of God. It is the ways of God. It is the ways and the promises that we see in scripture. So when we are experiencing life and we're walking through life and like, man, this isn't good, God has something better for us. God has a better way for us to live in our relationships. God has a better way for us to experience life in our career and our job. And God has a better way for us to go through our education this fall, better than just what we'd be dictated to us through secularism or through culture or whatever the voice might be. God's ways are better. The ways of man just might be simple and plain, but God's ways are better. So God has good things for us to think, good things for us to say, good things for us to believe, good things for us to hope for, good things for your career, good things for you to learn, good things for you to participate in. He's got good things for you to act out in your lives. The, I was just reading um, in, some of the, as in some of my preparation is like, God's goodness is the bedrock of all scripture. When we think about who God is, that God is our savior, that he provides salvation for us and every area of our lives comes from his word. His word is Jesus manifest to us. The bedrock of God's ways, thoughts, which is his word, is his goodness, that God is good. <clears throat> we praise God this morning and that's one of the things about God's goodness. God's goodness is to be praised that we magnify him because he is good. We don't wanna magnify the negativity. We don't wanna magnify bad circumstances. We don't want to magnify a negative outlook on the future that we want to magnify God. Jesus, when he was walking around preaching, he was preaching the good news of the kingdom. What kind of news was it? It was the good news. Following Jesus is good news. The ways of the kingdom of God are good, better than, objectively true. It's better than what we could experience just on our own. So the kingdom of God, the ways of the kingdom are good. 
good. And there's good in his presence. Wouldn't you agree that that is true when we're worshiping God, spending time in his presence? And again, let me encourage you uh, every week when we gather together, not just here on Sunday, entering into his presence, spend some time in your car, at your home, just entering into the presence of God. God's presence is good. One of my Bible school instructors would say it like this, God's presence is good for what ails you. Whatever is negative going on in your life, whatever struggle that you might have, it's good to get into God's presence because God's presence is better than those present circumstances. God's saving action toward mankind is good. All right, do you have your Bible or your devices this morning ready to go? We're gonna go through a bunch of scriptures to remind us about the goodness of God. James chapter one, verse 12 says this, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Do you like how that starts out? Do you, do you wanna be blessed? Okay, come on now, people. I know it's Labor Day weekend. Do you wanna be blessed? The answer should be yes. You know that God wants you to be blessed. Sometimes we would read it in the King James and we would say blessed. Blessed is the man, but that's the same word. <laughs> it's blessed. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. In other words, constant. So all of us in here today, when we might face something, some sort of trial this fall, some sort of difficulty, some sort of temptation, what does God want us to do? He wants us to remain steadfast. He wants us to be steady. He doesn't want that trial, that temptation. He doesn't want that thing to take you out, get you off the rails of God's word. He wants you to remain steadfast. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. This, that's a blessing. Which God has promised to those who love him. So here's one of the promises of God. We see there that he will bless us. We remain steadfast under trial. Verse 13. Now here's a great clarification. One of my favorite topics to talk about is what we're talking about today. James is giving us a clarification on, oh, we're gonna be facing some stuff. But then James says this the half-brother of Jesus. Let no one say when he is tempted, and that word tempted means to be tested, same word. I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. With the evil, the difficulty, the struggle that comes our way, the scripture is very explicit here, that these things are not coming from God. We are living in a broken world where there's an enemy and people are making bad decisions and the repercussions of those things is the source of the temptation and the trials that we face. But the scripture is very clear there. It doesn't come from God. Are you with me today? Did you read that with me? That nobody should say that this temptation, this test of evil, something evil that would come my way we know that God is not evil. What is God? Good, good. God is good. So something evil that would come my way is not actually coming from God. And in fact, James is saying, don't even mess around with it. Never say that. God is not testing us with evil. Now he's always testing us with obedience. He's wanting us to obey his word. But that's not the same as a negative evil something that would come into our lives. 
when something negative or evil or sickness and disease comes our way, we're not gonna ask the question, God, why are you doing this to me? No, the scripture says we're not gonna ask that question because we know that's not coming from God because God is good. And he continues to clarify this thought because it's a really important thought. Because you need to know that God is always on your side and God is always good. It's very explicit here in these next verses. But each person, when he's tempted, he is lured and enticed by his own desire. So we know that it is our desires taken too far that become lust that get us off track, right? Right? This is what the scripture is telling us. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, brings forth death. Verse 16, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be the kind of first fruits of his creatures. Verse 17, let's go back there. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above. In other words, from God, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And we think about, well, how is a shadow produced in our lives or in the world as we would walk around? Where do shadows come from? The, the, the moving of the sun. And so there's gonna be a shadow from the sun or there's gonna be a shadow from the moon. In other words, these things are constantly changing. But God does not change. He's always good. So we read that whole first part about temptation and trial. We're not gonna say that's God. And we know those are shifting sands in our lives. Circumstances are gonna adjust and change and people are gonna do stupid things, but God doesn't change. God is always good. So we can always come to him for help. We don't wanna think, oh, God's having a bad Monday. (laughs) Oh, something went wrong in my life. Maybe God has turned his back on me. Maybe God is not favorable to me today. No, again, we read the source of those things and choices and his desires. We know from the scripture, we live in a broken world, but God is always good. God is always the one that we can run to. We would never run from God when we're facing a trial, a testing, a temptation, a struggle. We would always run to him. And this is what communion reminds us of. That we always go to God first. We don't run from God when we made a mistake because God is always good. God doesn't just forgive us on Sundays and then again, Mondays, you know, God got up on the wrong side of the bed in heaven and Monday and so he's like really mad at you. So you might not get forgiveness on Monday. No, God is good. God is steady, he's constant and he's always there. So our outlook for the fall is good because God is good. Now, again, doesn't mean we're not gonna face stuff this fall, but we know that we can overcome, right? Because God is good. God's not gonna change. Things are gonna change. People are gonna change. Circumstances are gonna change, but God is not gonna change. He's always the same. Are you here this morning? He's always the same and he's always good. 
No shadow of turning in him. God is good and he's consistently good. Psalm 107 verse one says this. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Constant. Steadfast love. God doesn't give up loving you. Aren't you thankful for that? Do we have any <clears throat> prodigal sons or daughters in the room today? Or former prodigal sons and daughters? Or active ones too? It's great, whatever. Whatever state that you are in. <laughs> Do you know that God loved us all the way through? He didn't change his love for you even when you were messing up your life. His love was steadfast and he is good. See, he's not looking at our choices and then changing. He's steady. This is why we always invite people back into a relationship with God because we know that God hasn't changed. God still saves. God still forgives. God still heals. He's steady. So we always invite people back to God when they've messed up their lives because we should do the same, right? When we've made mistakes, we know that God steady steadfast, and he's good. Psalm 23, verse six says this, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and mercy follow me. Goodness and mercy follow me. That's good news because we need it. See, sometimes we think that when, we, when we've struggled with something or we've done something wrong and that God's looking to get us, God's looking to hurt us because we've made mistakes, but God is following after us with his goodness and his mercy because we need mercy all of the time, don't we? None of us are living perfect existences and so we need forgiveness and God is following after us with the mercy that we need. You know, I, I did a wedding on Friday and this is one of the things that, you know, if anyone ever asks you what you do when you're a pastor, the response that you get is very interesting. Just, you should try it sometimes. Now, don't lie. Um, if you're not a pastor. But people, you know, they, as soon as they find out that you're a pastor, they're like apologizing for something they said in the conversation they think might have offended me or something. And I was uh, following out somebody going towards the wedding ceremony and the, the, the lady said something to the man, it was a couple, and then she turned and she saw me behind them and I didn't actually hear what she said. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, I don't even know what you said. And she's like, I, I apologize and I guess she swore or something. And so she's thinking that my presence as some sort of representative of God is gonna be like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna be really mad at you. Now, don't waste your life swearing, another topic. But <laughs> it was like, this is people impression, again, of godly people like following and just gonna be really angry. You know that God is not surprised by your sin. That's why he sent Jesus, because he knows that you are hopeless without his mercy. And his goodness and mercy follow you 
all the days of your life, not half of the days. Not on your good days and then on your bad days, he's out all of the days of your life. Psalm 34, verse eight says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Taste and see. This is why we invite people into a relationship with God, always. Spending time in his word, spending time praying. Some of the things that we're gonna be talking about this fall. But when we experience God and who he truly is, we would know that he's good. Not some version of God like this person who was nervous about me following them. Oh my, this. It's like, no, God is good. God is loving and he's merciful and he's full of grace. That's who God is. That's why he invites us into a relationship with himself. Matthew chapter eight, very practical example here. Verse one says, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. See, and we, like this leprous man, this sometimes is our attitude with God. We know God can do stuff. God is all powerful. Nothing is impossible with God, but our question is the same as this question the man of leprosy poses. I know you can, but are you willing? Are you predisposed, God, to do something for me? Are you actually good? Because I know you can do it, but are you willing? Do you want to? Does God actively pour out his goodness on us? Because this is an important question to ask, and Jesus answers it. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand to the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. I am willing. This is, this is why it's good to know what the promises of God are, to align our asking and our praying to the promises of God because these are the things that God is willing to do, wants to do, has directed his power towards you to do because he's good. I know you can, but are you willing? Jesus says, answers the question, I am willing. Aren't you thankful for that today? that you're not trying to rend blessings out of God's hand. He's predisposed to bless you, to show his favor on you. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul praying for the church at Ephesus here in Ephesians chapter one, verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. He's praying for the church. What is he praying? That they would understand something about who God is, about what Jesus has accomplished for us. In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. You are God's holy people. Jesus followers, God, you, you didn't get holy because your activities are holy. You got holy because of Jesus. And there's an inheritance in that. Paul is praying that they would see it. 
and his incomparable great power for us who believe. Wait, did you read that with me? His incomparable, incomparably great power for us. For who? For you and for me. God's power for you, those of us that believe, put our faith in Jesus. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but that which is to come. The same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead is for you. We know this from the book of Romans. It dwells in you, in fact. Same power that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And what is the nature of that power? It is good. It is favorable towards you. That's the beauty of the understanding that God is God on the mountaintop and God is the God in, when you're in the valley. In other words, his presence is still good when you are facing struggles. His favor is on the inside of you by his power and it is for you. Amen. This is good news for us today. <clears throat> read a little bit about the activity of God's goodness, and then we're going to receive communion together. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. If you then, who are evil or natural, know how to give good gifts to your children. Any fathers in the room today? Dads, I know it's not Father's Day. You can be a father today as well. (laughs) If you're just like a dad, just like a human basic dad, and you know how to give good gifts to your children... Dads, you're, you're providing for your children, right? Okay, come on now, dads. I don't know what you're doing then. <laughs> providing good gifts to our children. They get to eat and live indoors. That's a good gift. <laughs> you're just a human, basic and natural. How much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him. It's the same question that the leper had. I know you can, but are you willing? God gives us good things because we're asking him. Aligning our asking with the promises of God, the stuff that God already established in his word that is his will for you to experience. His power is directed for you and to you. And you're just a dad, I'm just a dad. But how much more? How much more goodness does the heavenly father have? How much more power does God himself has? Just has all of the favor that we need to make it through this fall and beyond because he's good. Acts 10, 38. How God, and this is a a sermon that the apostle Peter was preaching, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good. What did Jesus do on the earth? 
good. Jesus did good things. That means he wants to do good things in your life. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. God has not changed. Jesus revealed to us the character and nature of God, and it is good. Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Now, were any of the people, this is an important question, were any of the people who Jesus came across that were oppressed, were any of them oppressed by God? No. Who were they oppressed by? The devil. God is good. Amen. This is what we need to remember. The things that Jesus did, he showed us the character and nature of God. So when we go through this fall and oppression comes our way, we're not going to be like, God, is this you? Are you having a bad day? Do I need to pray for you, God? Because look at my life. What are you doing to me? No, God is not doing those things. God empowered Jesus to oppose the activity of the devil, the enemy, the things that would be oppressing your life. God's goodness is opposed to those things and he is willing with his power, amen, to empower you and I to overcome those things. It's such a simple binary to remember. God is good, the devil is bad. Jesus came to, that we would experience abundant life. Amen. That's good preaching today. <laughs> Psalm 31, verse 19. Oh, how your abundant, how, how abundant is your goodness. There's no lack of goodness with God, which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you. He's working these things in your life. In the sight of the children of mankind who take refuge. I love this phrase. Because life is gonna be busy this fall. And there's gonna be some struggles. And there's gonna be some stuff. And there's gonna be some crazy things happen in the world. But we can always take refuge in God. That this, this idea, I looked it up. This hiding place, this refuge place is a place of healing and it's a place of renewal that I could come away with God. I can face the day and whatever the world throws at me and anything that goes on that's crazy and whatever stupid thing somebody says to me and I can go and take refuge in God. Scripture says there's healing in his wings. That doesn't mean that God is a bird. It just, it's a, a metaphor that just shows us that God is covering us. And I could be renewed and I could be healed because God is good. I could take refuge in him. Romans chapter eight, verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. So God is taking all of the pieces of our lives, all of the different situations. He is working them out. And what is he working them out for? For good. Now, they're not all good, but God is working it 
for good. That he is renewing us. That his spirit's on the inside of us. God is working it out. Everybody say that. God is working it out. Amen. And why is he working it out for you? He's good. Before we receive communion together, I'm just gonna read you here a portion of scripture from Ephesians. And what's great about communion, the intended purpose of communion is that the family of believers, the church, the gathering gets together. And when we receive communion, again, we're communing with the spirit of God, but then we're doing it together. We're as a group, as a family, this very unique family in the world right now. I would contend that it's one of the very few places of togetherness in the world. And what are we doing? Man, we're celebrating the goodness of God, the, the symbols of the new covenant. We're celebrating the fact that God's presence is present. God's power is not stronger somewhere else today because God's power is in you. And when we commune with God as a group, as a family, something special takes place that we all realize and are thankful that without God, our, our lives are hopeless. And, and that we're thankful that God has invited us into his righteousness that God has invited us into his family. And if that's you today, you don't feel like you're part of the family of God. You know that God is inviting you in to his family. He's just wanting you to say yes to himself, to humble yourself and to realize that you cannot save yourself. And all you have to do is say yes to Jesus today. Let me just read you this portion of scripture, Ephesians 2, verse 11. Therefore, remember... It's what communion is all about. Remembering what Jesus has done for us. That at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, Gentiles are all non-Jewish people, call the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you, at that time, separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Communion reminds us about how good God is, that he was able to take us all people who are separated from God because of sin and mistakes. And then he brings us near to a holy God where we have no holiness of our own. And he brings us near so that we can actually be in a relationship with him. For he himself is our peace. Who is our peace? Jesus, he himself is 
is our peace. So we can have peace this fall, come what may, because we know God is good. Who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he may create in himself one new man in the place of two. What is that? The people that are in and the people that are out. That the invitation to the family of God through Christ is that we can be the family of God and might reconcile us both to God in one body, talking about Jesus' body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Here's one great thing about the family of God. All of the reasons, and I, and I say this a lot because it's this, the culture that we live in, all of the reasons why the world says we shouldn't get along in Christ, we don't just get along, we're family. And there's nothing like this in the world today except this. Hostility, there's hostility in the world. But in Christ, man, we're the family of God. And we're remembering about the goodness of God and the power of God and the provision of God. And we do this together as a family and we just celebrate his goodness. Let's receive communion together. The elements are there in the seat in front of you. If you're on the first row, they're there by the leg of your chair. If you are visiting with us today and you are a follower of Jesus, we invite you to receive communion with us. But also if you're visiting, you don't have to feel pressure to do this today. And again, just like we were talking about, the invitation to say yes to Jesus is given to all. So if you're here and you feel like you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, now's the time. If you're here and you kind of feel like, ah, I used to be close to God, but so many things have happened in my life and I really feel distant from God today. You know, God is not mad at you. God is following you with his goodness and his mercy. He's inviting you close to himself again. Right now is the time to say yes, just right there in your seat to say yes to Jesus. Luke 22, 19, familiar portion of scripture. You can open up the top cellophane piece and pull out the wafer. It says, and he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So what are we supposed to be reminded of today? That Jesus sacrificed himself for us. The scripture says, in Isaiah 53, referring to Jesus' sacrifice on the, on the cross, that by his stripes, we are healed. And as Jesus was walking around during his earthly ministry, and we would all know this, and I feel like all secular people would know this as well, that Jesus was famous for healing. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if Jesus healed in the scripture, he heals today. And what we are doing is we are reminding ourselves that the same power that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in us. Are you with me this morning? So what, what can we do in this moment? Man, we can just receive God's healing power. And there's nothing bad that happens to us in God's presence. So we don't have to be afraid to open ourselves 
wide to the presence of God, that his body was broken for ours. Let's pray today. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he went to the cross for us, that he took stripes on his back and that by those stripes, we are healed. So God, we know that your power is greater than anything that we can face. And just like we read with the man with leprosy, we know that you can, but we also know that you are willing. So we just open ourselves wide today to your healing power. So any sickness and disease that we are facing from the top of our heads to the soles of our feet, that your power is greater than that sickness, that your power is greater than that disease. And we just believe it today, Lord. We just believe that your power is working in us. We receive all that you have for us today, Lord. We just breathe in your presence because we know that your presence is good for us in every way. We thank you for your sacrifice today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's eat together. Gonna open up the bottom portion. After we pray this prayer, the team is gonna lead us in one more song. Verse 20, it says, and likewise, the cup after they had eaten saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. For us to be able to experience the goodness, the holiness of God is because Jesus shed his blood. Scripture says in the Old Testament, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So as I said earlier, if you, today in your life, you feel like, you know, I've got all of these sins, all of these mess ups, the, the scripture is telling us that we come and we confess them, we ask them because we know that forgiveness is always offered, offered to us. So this moment reminds us there is forgiveness for us. We can't self-justify for our sins. All we can do is receive the forgiveness offered. So let's pray today. God, we thank you that we can be righteous in your presence because of the shed blood of Jesus. So we thank you, Lord, that your blood washes away our sin. We know that your goodness and your mercy is following us, that you offer us forgiveness today, that your love is steadfast, that you have never left us alone. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's drink together.